came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is get, getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. Best version of that, of the story ever, right? Isn't it so good? See, I don't know. I think that's a few years old now. I don't, I don't know how old it is, but it's been around a while, so I apologize if it's not the first time you've seen it, but I mean, it's, how, do you, how do you not love that? Kids. So we're talking about children. It's week two of This is Christmas, and we're talking about kids. Because um, how can you think of Christmas without thinking about children? Even if you don't have kids, it's hard not to think about children at Christmas time. So that's what we're talking about this week. And I want to set up for us, before we get into Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to find Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Um, if you need a hard copy and didn't bring a hard copy, um, look at the chair in front of you, 
page 1073. 1073 is where you will find Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. And what we aren't going to read, but it's important for us to know, is the contextual clue in verse 1. Verse 1 really gives us the context of where we are. And Israel is split into a northern and a southern kingdom. And the Assyrians have come and taken over the northern kingdom. So the reality is not good. It's the antithesis from ideal. The Assyrians didn't leave a lot of, much of a remnant like, like Babylon ends up doing. And so, so the present circumstance, the present situation isn't good. And I want us to look at the geography just a little bit so we kind of know where we're at. Um, Israel is in a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Yep, there we go. And so if you think about how Israel looks today, Israel extends farther south and comes to a point just west of Petra, which is at the bottom of the screen there. And you'll see how big the land area is, the kingdom of Israel. Uh, politically speaking, the southern kingdom was, was a little more enticing for the empires because of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's in the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel. And so that's that's where, we're, that's where we're at this morning. Um, part of that east of the Jordan River obviously isn't part of Israel anymore. Um, the nation of Israel comes farther south along the coast. But just so you get an idea of the geography, that's where we are. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are split. The circumstance isn't very good. And that's important for us to know because of what Isaiah does. We're going to let Isaiah sort of in his tenses, in his discussion about time, guide our exploration this morning. I was thinking about time in reading this passage and how hypersensitive, I don't know if we've ever lived in a day and age where we're more hypersensitive to time. And when's old, old, and when is past, past, I know sometimes Lindsay and I scroll our news feeds and it's like, did you see this? Some big event that happened in somebody's life. And it's like, oh yeah, that happened like six hours ago. It's like, like I'm supposed to know or she's supposed to know that already. I officiated at a funeral and, and one of the guys that works at Blessing Funeral Home described himself as being fresh and new in the funeral business. And he'd been there five years. He's like, Shay, in the funeral business, five years, you're just getting started. And I was thinking about time because of what Isaiah does for us, given the circumstance, given the situation. We're talking about children this morning. We talked about tradition last week and about how tradition at Christmas, the traditions that we have at church make Christ known. And it's important for us to know what it is that we're doing so we know what has greater significance and what's just fun. What, what, what do we do that's just fun, right? We're talking about children this week. And as an extension of what Josh said and shared, like children are a lot of things. They represent a lot of things for us. They, they are special, unique creations made in the image of God. They represent purity. They represent hope and promise and potential. They're exuberant optimism at the world. Like they represent so many things. If we think about this ancient context in a political environment, children are often signs of legacy and succession. Children can represent a kind of rivalry and a threat to the powers that be. If we think about an ancient context, if we think about our own world, our own context, children are vulnerable. Children are defenseless. They can't defend themselves. And we too live in a world where children are incredibly vulnerable. Children die every single day. 
And children really, 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 really matter to God. Jesus says in Luke 17, he says in a similar place in the gospel of Matthew, <laughs> some really strong words that it's, it's better for somebody to have a millstone tied around their neck and for them to throw themselves into the depths of the sea than it is for a person to cause one of these little ones, a child, to stumble. That's how much children matter in the kingdom of God. And so important for us to, to learn from our kids, especially at Christmas time, their joy. They have a lot to teach us. And it's important for us to be aware that what we say and what we do, we have to be mindful of how it affects our children. As we read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there at the beginning, darkness, people walking in darkness. We see allusions to violence. We see a world in darkness, a violent world, a world that is being oppressed. Israel is being oppressed. There's all these allusions to this situation and this circumstance that's not ideal. This isn't a time anybody wants to return to. And I think it challenges us to think about our world and the fallenness of our world and that sometimes we still see we live in a world where darkness is deep. We live in a world where lies are loud and everywhere and the truth is unknown. We too live in a world where children are extremely vulnerable. And sometimes our Christmases aren't merry and bright because we've celebrated them without our kids. And so we don't remember some of the Christmas we celebrate without our kids for ver various reasons. And one of those reasons is because of how closely we connect children and Christmas. It's like you got to ask yourself, did we even celebrate Christmas before we had kids? Did we? I don't know. And sometimes it's hard to remember those Christmases that we celebrated without our kids, kids because it's too painful. Because of what happened. Because sometimes like our memory and we think about gathering together and man, sometimes our memories are dark and it breaks us. But, but notice, notice what Isaiah is doing here. Notice the word that God gives us through Isaiah in these verses two to five. These people walking in darkness, they, they have seen a great light. 
those living in the land of deep darkness, a, a, light, a light has dawned. Like God's enlarged a nation, he's increased their joy. He's shattered the yoke. Like in light of the present situation, which we know isn't good, this, this has been transformed in light of God's word. There's this past tense being used, even though historically, like the circumstance, the situation is very, very, very different. And yet Isaiah is using past tense here to describe this. It's almost like something even greater than a word of hope is being given. And I say greater than a word of hope, not, not to relegate hope in our life. We, we are admonished to be people of hope. Hope should have um, a high place in our life. Hope is important. Hope sees a future that's better than the past. If any of you are in a small group and doing the Advent study, we talked about hope last week, about how hope doesn't focus on our present circumstance and situations. Hope knows our present circumstance and situations may not change. Hope focuses on the son that is given. Hope focuses on God's word. Hope sees beyond the present circumstances and waits with tense expectation for that. Hope is extremely important. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So hope is extremely important. And the reason I say I think something greater than hope is being given is is because of this past tense. In light of the situation, in light of the circumstance, God is enlarging a nation. He's increasing their joy. He's shattered. He's shattered in light of all of this. Isaiah is talking about the future in past tense. Like, I don't, my, like, I don't, it's hard to wrap my mind around that. He's talking about the future in past tense. And I think amongst all of us here, our children have that kind of capacity and vision to see the world that way. We, we look at Matthew and what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18 here, verses one through five. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Unless you change and become like little children. James Brian Smith tells a story in The Good and Beautiful God about this trip that he went on with his son Jacob to an amusement park. It was one of those days where very few people were at the park so they could get on the ride again, again, again. They could ride multiple rides over and over and over again. It reminds me of a time I went to Cedar Point. If you're familiar with the North and the Midwest, uh, the land of roller coasters, Cedar Point's like one of the biggest theme parks in the entire world. So many roller coasters would go twice a year. And there was one time of all the times that I went, there was one time the forecast was raining 
shiny and misty. And so nobody, I mean, nobody, there were some people that showed up like myself, but very few people showed up to the park and it was awesome. We could ride all the rides. And it was a day like this, James took his son, Jacob, and they got on this new ride that James hadn't been on before. And so they get on and the teenager straps them in, right? And the ride takes off and it's going up and down and jerking and getting faster and faster. And James panics and is praying fervently for this ride to end because he'd never been on it before. He feels like he's put his kid in danger. He's got his arm on Jacob and hoping and praying this ride ends soon. Feels like the worst dad in the world. And the ride finally ends and they get off and James starts to breathe a little bit and he looks over at Jacob and he's like, dad, that was so much fun. Can we go ride again? And James is like, hold on, press pause. Um, that ride was crazy. That ride was wild. Like, why? Like, why'd you, why'd you get on this ride? And Jacob looked at his dad and he said, well, because you did, dad. Because you did. And so right or wrong, Jacob trusted his dad. And I think it's that kind of childlike faith, that trust that Jesus is saying we need to have, that we need to change and become like children. Like I love throwing little baby Max, my little baby Max high in the air as he giggles, you know, he laughs. He can't do the risk assessment analysis um, and, and, and measure the probability of my sure-handedness. He can't do that. He just knows his dad's underneath him. He knows his dad's gonna catch him and he's right, I will. Right, I've been amazed over the years of the story of children and their faith who have really tough cancer, and diseases that take their life too young, but there's these remarkable stories of faith, how like the vision, like they see beyond that. They have this confidence in their faith that God's with them and that they're okay, and they have this community that's with them, and they become these inspirations. They encourage other kids. They become helpers. Like I'm amazed by that, and I think that's the kind of faith, that's what it is that Jesus is challenging us to be like. He's challenging us to be like children. For to us a child is born. Verse 6, a son is given. James goes from the future being past tense to he shifts to the present. Again, a present that again, we know the circumstance. We talked about what's really happening. This hasn't happened yet. But, but it's, it's why James, or James, it's why Isaiah talks about the future in the past tense. For to us a child is born, a son is given. One of the reasons Isaiah can talk the way he talks and use the tense and mess with our understanding of time is because this son is given and just isn't any son. It's the son who is meant to be given to us from the very beginning. The gift, it's why we sit at Christmas and, and exchange gifts because of this gift. This gift that matters. And there's no other time of year where we wait, where we step into the season, where we long for it to come. I don't know about you, but I still, I just can't wait for Christmas to come. Y'all remember when you had Christmas as a kid and you were just so excited? Or maybe you do something now. Do you do something to intentionally wait and anticipate maybe an advent calendar or something like that? I know we did that when I was a kid. Like, I don't like waiting for my birthday because it reminds me I'm getting older. There's no other time of year that I, I long, I wait for Christmas to come, that I can't wait for it to come. Israel's longing for this time for the darkness to dissipate. 
Israel's longing for this time for oppression to cease. They're longing for this time. And it's why Isaiah can say, can talk about the the future in the past tense because the son is given. Who though we have this this oppression weighing on us, we live in a, a world still where children are vulnerable. This son that's given is going to uphold a government of peace and a government of righteousness and a government of justice. He's gonna put that on his shoulders for you and for me. And he's called wonderful counselor. He's wise. He's called mighty God. He's strong. He's called everlasting father. He's steadfast. Prince of peace and his kingdom will have no end. And then Isaiah shifts again in verse seven and he starts talking about the future. Of course, our conception of time now, I don't know, as I was reading this and preparing this week, like the conception of time was just sort of shattered in reading from the prophet Isaiah because as, as we shift to verse seven, the tense is in the future tense. There will be he will, and the Lord Almighty will accomplish that day of rejoicing when this world, when this reality, when this vision fully comes. That longing will come, but it'll be after long waiting. It'll be after struggle, but it will come. And we can trust that it will come. We can trust that this future talked about in past tense, we can trust that the sun will be given. We can trust that all of this, this beautiful vision of the world made right, that God will bring it about because of how our passage ends. We see at the end of verse seven, the zeal, not a word I use every day, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I had to do a little word study. Zeal, depending on what translation you're reading, occurs 30 to 50 times throughout all of Scripture, depending on what translation you're reading. Zeal often refers to us, something that we don't have enough of. We haven't stood up and been zealous in our faith. We haven't, we haven't stood up and upheld the name of the Lord. But here, the zeal of the Lord, it refers to God's own being, which we see in the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Ezekiel, it refers to God's own being. Zeal can mean a strong interest or devotion, it is an intense enthusiasm or fervor. Zeal is a strong energy, an immense passion behind something. So, so what's amazing about this zeal of the Lord Almighty that he will accomplish it for us is, is it's, it's a positive thing. It's like God can't wait to do this for you and me and make the world right. Often when God is zealous in scripture, it's in the midst of our disobedience. We've made a mess of things. And the zeal of the Lord, we are living into the consequences of our actions. But here, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That God is zealous for you. God is zealous for me. He's zealous to make this world right. He's zealous to make this world a place where children are no longer vulnerable. And we can trust that he will accomplish it. Where rejoicing and joy are the status quo where we can talk about the future in past tense, right? The zeal of the Lord. And who's more zealous than children? Who has more immense passion and intense energy? Who has more devotion than children? 
So, so I want to challenge us as we live into this Christmas season. I want to challenge us to have a zealous Christmas. I want to challenge us to wait with our kids with that kind of zeal and that kind of anticipation that even though we may not be able to buy all the gifts we want to buy because it's been a tight year, even when we we don't feel like meeting and gathering with family because of who we've lost, even when we can't fathom meeting right now in time for Christmas because it's hard for us to see the light in the world that we've been living in, in our situation, in our circumstance. May we be zealous. May we trust God's word and pray that in this Christmas time, he suspends the darkness. Like he pushes that at bay in the chaos of the world and the demands and the claims it makes on our lives. Maybe this Christmas season as we meet and we gather and we wait for the son who is given, may our prayer be that God suspends the times and so that we can be signs of a future past. We can be signs of a promise fulfilled of the kingdom come. What does that look like if we lived a zealous Christmas? I think here is a, is a good glimpse of what that might look like. Let's watch this. Here at the Ohio Air National Guard Base near Toledo. This is the 180th Fighter Wing. Lieutenant Colonel Frank Daly still can't believe the honor recently bestowed upon him it's incredible being recognized uh, in such a manner. It happened at a Cracker Barrel of all places. As the security camera shows, Lieutenant Colonel Daly entered the restaurant on February 7th for an early lunch. At about the same time, eight-year-old Miles Eckert came in with his family. Miles, in the green hoodie, was very excited. He just found a $20 bill in the parking lot. Just sitting there? Yeah. Did you start thinking of what you could spend it on? I kind of wanted to get a video game, but then I decided not to. He changed his mind when he saw that guy in uniform. Because he was a soldier, and soldiers remind me of my dad. And so, with his dad in mind, Miles wrapped the 20 in a note that read, Dear Soldier, my dad was a soldier. He's in heaven now. I found this $20 in the parking lot when we got here. We like to pay it forward in my family. It's your lucky day. Thank you for your service. Signed, Miles Eckert, a Gold Star Kid. Army Sergeant Andy Eckert was killed in Iraq just five weeks after Miles was born. All the kid has ever had are pictures and dog tags. This is his wedding ring. Other people's memories and his own imagination. I imagined him as a really nice person and somebody that would be really fun. <laughs> the dad he imagines must also love a good story. Because after lunch oh, that day, boy. Miles asked his mom, Tiffany, to make one more stop. Excellent. He wanted to go see his dad. Hmm. And he wanted to go by himself that day. She took this picture from the car. Follow the footsteps and you'll see Miles standing there behind the flag, presumably telling his dad all about it. And whether heaven heard him or not, his good deed continues to impress here on earth. You've read it more than once? I look at it every day. Kid gave you a bigger gift than $20. Uh, a lifetime uh, uh, direction, for sure. Lieutenant Colonel Daly says he's already given away the 20 and plans to do much more. He also hopes that little green post-it will inspire other people across the country to give to give as sincerely and dutifully as this father and son. Steve Hartman, 
on the road in Toledo, Ohio. Right there, that image. I think that's a little glimpse, you know, of this future past, of seeing beyond this circumstance of being without a dad, you know? And that in the mystery of his relationship with his father, he still has a relationship with his father. And out of his faithfulness, I feel like this video, this story is a perfect picture of how we kind of get all skeptical as adults. And I, I don't want to be too harsh on the reporter, but, but he asks the question, you know, whether heaven heard him or not, this good deed. But you can't understand his good deed. You can't understand that gift without the faithfulness of that boy and his vision in his heart like it's it's out of his faithfulness that he that he gives it just doesn't make sense any other way and at eight years old giving the way he gave and and what what's amazing is is the response you know colonel daly is a man of very few words but he received lifetime direction is what he said he received lifetime direction. And I think this is a, a wonderful picture for us, a glimpse into those times suspended. We get little glimpses of the kingdom to come, of this promise fulfilled, this beautiful reality that as Isaiah receives and gives to us from God. And so I just pray, my prayer for us is this Christmas that we notice those signs this Christmas season. And then as we move in our worship service into a time of prayer, as the ushers come forward to receive God's tithe and our offering, that our prayer is that, Lord, make us those signs. <laughs> Help us be those signs of the kingdom come, of this future past that's hard to fathom, of, of the promise fulfilled. So will you pray with me? Holy Lord, we thank you for your son given. We thank you for this powerful reminder in Miles' story. God, we just pray, give us faith like a child that without reservation trusts in your promise, trusts that you're good and doesn't calculate as much. Lord, we, we know we're here. We're utterly dependent on you for our, for our life, for the breath that you give us. None of this is ours. It's all a gift. <clears throat> Help us be mindful of that this Christmas and give us a zeal, a zeal in our faith, this immense enthusiasm and passion that our kids have to wait for you, to wait for your spirit. Lord, help us be those signs for our brothers and sisters, for our family members, for those that we encounter. Help us be signs of the promise fulfilled of the kingdom come as we give now to you. We pray all this as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen.